We are in the uh, second week of a series called Known, which is this idea of double knowledge, the idea that I need to know myself deeply in order to know God deeply, and I need to know God deeply in order to know myself deeply, and it becomes this uh, deeper and deeper uh, like journey that we get to take. And I want to begin, uh, first of all, also welcome those of you in the room. John, John, and Christy, uh, thanks for being here with us so much. And uh, those of you who are regular and are followers of Jesus, welcome. And those of you who are just investigating, or maybe you're here for a lot of reasons, uh, but you're not a follower of Jesus, we just want to welcome you. We, we think you belong here. We think somehow uh, God can um, help you uh, live your life better. And if you're not a religious person, that's okay. I don't particularly see myself as a religious person. And so uh, just sit back and relax and see what maybe you can learn from this morning. We're going to begin my part of the teaching, Proverbs 20, verse 5. Proverbs is a script, part of the scriptures uh, that have pithy little sayings. And so here's Proverbs 20, verse 5. The purpose of a man's heart are deep waters, but a man or a person of understanding draws them out. Let me, let me read that again. The purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, and a person of understanding draws them out. So I want you to look at the person next to you. Go ahead and look at them. I'm not going to ask you to do anything weird. And I want you to, in your mind, think this thought. That person is deep waters. That person is deep waters. Now keep looking at them. There's a lot going, un- going on under the surface of their life. That's what Proverbs is saying. It's saying, hey, every human life is deep waters. And if we want to know what's going on under that water, we need to dive under there. Okay, you can stop looking at that person. Some of you have already, like, that's enough looking, right? Now, I wish I could hand you a mirror, and you would look at yourself. And then I would say, I want you to think this thought. My life is deep water, and there's a lot going on under the surface of my life. That's what the series is about. The series is about looking under the surface of your life and understanding yourself more and more and your journey with God more and more so that you can learn and grow. Um, Have you ever noticed that sometimes you're around a body of water and it freaks you out to think what's under there? We were at the Lake of the Ozarks with my grandkids and my family and... uh, uh, deep water. In fact, my son Joel tried to dive in off the dock and he couldn't touch bottom. And uh, one of the grandkids was on the dock saying, Grandpa, what's in that water? <laughs> and I didn't really want to say like, well, there could be snakes and <laughs> big fish and, you know, all kinds of things. And that's what happens in our lives too, right? It's like there's things under the water that sometimes we're eager to discover and sometimes we're not eager to discover. And one of the things I've believed for a long time is that one definition of maturity is that you simply know yourself. You simply know yourself. And so you dive under that deep water. And uh, so uh, today, the way that I want to help you um, dive under that deep water just a little bit more is I want to talk to you about the stages of faith that people go through as they're um, living for Jesus. 
And we've taught this probably five or six times over the last decade since we've discovered it. It's from a book called The Critical Journey. And um, what these authors have done is they've looked in the New Testament of the Bible, and they've looked into the lives of people in the church, and they've said, you know, they basically go through stages as they follow Jesus. And so one of the things I'm hoping we could discover this morning is what stage of faith are you in right now, and what stages have you been through? And uh, before we get to that, though, I want to remind you of a verse, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18. Here's the verse. Therefore, do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So... We fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Okay, now I want to change the verse. You go, can you actually do that, Dave? Can you, like, just rewrite a verse? No, you can't do that, but I'm going to. Therefore, (laughs) we do not lose heart in, I'm going to put in this parenthesis, in this journey of faith. Where is it we're not going to lose heart? In this journey of faith we're on. Though outwardly we're wasting away. Where are we wasting away? In this journey of faith here on earth. Yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Where is that happening? In this journey of faith. For our light and momentary troubles, where do those come? In our journey of faith. Are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes. Not on what is seen in this journey of faith. See, what I'm trying to say to you is you and I are on this journey, and this verse describes some things about the journey, that we shouldn't be discouraged, that even though our bodies in some times get disease and they're wasting away, we shouldn't be discouraged, yet we're being renewed day by day by Christ in this journey. It's a journey. We're on a journey. So what does the journey look like? We've said it kind of looks like a slinky, And so we have a slide on this slinky. Here it is. You've seen this. If you've been around Urchard, you've seen it five or six or eight times. It's a journey of six stages of faith. And what I want to do is I want to help you discover um, uh, what stage of faith you're in this morning and some of the characteristics of that stage of faith. And then that's the deep water of your life, and that will help you follow Jesus better. And uh, one thing, this is not a competitive journey. It's not like, Dave, tell me how to get to the next stage. No, there's no winners on this thing. There's no stage that's better than another stage. It's not like we try to move forward from one stage to the next. It's just a realization that God has us on a journey. So I'm going to walk you through uh, the stages real quick, and then I'm going to come back and um, teach some things about them. Stage number one of the slinky is a recognition of God. It's like, this is where we come to faith. And um, we answer the question, is there even a God, and does he know me? And uh, how has he made himself? So stage one is coming to faith. And many, many of you have been in stage one, have come to faith, and now you're either still there or you've moved on to the next stage. But the more you understand about how and why you came to faith, we're going to cover that in a minute, it helps you. Um, Second stage is a life of discipleship. This is a shifting of your allegiance. So when you're first born and you start to grow up, you're the center of your world. 
Everything revolves around you. You're the center. And at this stage, what we as followers of Christ learn is that we're not the center. He's the center. And our allegiance isn't to myself and what I want. Our allegiance is to him. And this is a stage of faith. And then the third stage of faith is called the productive life, serving in my sweet spot. You know, after I come to faith in Jesus and I understand that I have eternal life and I understand all these gifts of grace he's given me, and as I give him my allegiance, then what I want to do is I want to serve him better. I want to respond. Whenever you fall in love with someone, you want to serve them and love them. And so this is what we do in stage three. We like get busy. We do stuff. We park cars. We make coffee. We usher people in. We help build homes. We do all kinds of things for Christ. Stage four. This is the one you never see coming. This is the one you never plan for. Everything's going well. You've come to faith. You've given Christ your allegiance. You're serving like crazy in the church, and then all of a sudden, something comes into your life, and it drives the journey inward. And it's two kinds of things. Again, we're coming back to this, but it's two kinds of things. Sometimes people ask us questions we don't have answers for. Happened to me in humanities in freshman at college. I had grown up in the church. I had... Uh, come to Christ, I was serving, I was even helping with some kids' ministry, youth groups, and then I had this humanities professor, and he started saying, the Bible was like fiction, and he started saying, like, well, can, I mean, the, Christianity is just a crutch that weak people use, and so I started to think about and be asked questions, so uh, questions sometimes drive your journey inward, where you have to all of a sudden say, uh, what is it that I deeply believe? The other thing that drives us here is tragedy. A tragedy hits our life, and we have to learn at a deeper level who God is and how he works in this world. And so that's the inward journey. And stage five is the journey outward again. So we're serving, then we have a period of being driven inward and deeper, and then we start to serve again. And what's interesting in stage five is answers aren't that important to us. Jesus is really the only answer. Stage five is interesting. Uh, when we had our tragedy and our family members died, people would always say, Dave, have you figured, why, 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 why? And like, there's no answer to that question. There's no answer. No answer. So then in stage five, you learn to follow Jesus and serve him, and you realize there aren't any important answers. There aren't any. And so to be right on three things doesn't really give you much confidence. It's more about a direction of serving God than it is about getting the right answers to really a lot of things. And then stage six is interesting. I, I don't know what the book calls it, Critical Journeys, but uh, I call it the Mother T Teresa phase. Uh, it's a life of love. It's like you love people in a way that makes you seem unreasonable. It's like you love your neighbors in a way that it, it, it's not even logical. You love kids and you love your family in a way beyond logic. It's just like you love. So if anything in this slinky, then the idea is you go around it over and over and over again. Because what happens is you learn something new about God you never knew, and you have to start through the slinky again. So it's called, a lot of times it's called a first conversion, coming to Christ, and then a second conversion. I realize like the Holy Spirit's real, so I have to go through it again and realize something completely new. Um, uh, uh, or I have a tragedy and it drives me back to answer all the questions again. So, um, 
again, the reason we're taking time for this is to help you dive under the surface of the water. So I want to ask you some questions about your time in stage one. Your time in stage one. Oh, if, if, you, if something here grabs you, we have uh, uh, some notes on this at the Info Center and some notes on this by where you could look up my teaching online. There will be a uh, place where you can download some notes on this uh, critical journey that people take. Okay, so um, I want to answer a couple questions. And these are questions that we get at Orchard all the time. First one is, how do people come to faith in stage one? How do people come to faith and our answer is, in lots of ways. And we have a list of how we think in the Bible you can easily find how people come to faith. Sometimes people come with a radical conversion. They are going completely the wrong direction. And like Jesus did with Paul, he knocks him on the ground and he totally confronts him. And um, we have people in this room right now who have had that kind of radical conversion. They were addicted to drugs and God freed them. They were in prison, and they met Christ. They, um, these are radical conversions. They were in the midst of a divorce, and Jesus uh, said, you've been too selfish. We're going to turn you around. Radical conversions happen, just like with the Apostle Paul. And some of you have had a radical conversion, and many of you have not. And the second way people come to is by process and journey, with ups and downs, trying to follow Christ. This is the way I think Peter and James came to Christ. It took them like three or four years to where Jesus said, hey, come follow me. I'll make you a fisher of men instead of a fisher of fish, right? And they took two steps forward and one step back and two steps forward and one step back. But eventually, they crossed that line of faith. And eventually, they became a follower of Jesus. And there's a third way in the Bible. I, I would call that traditional church approach. People simply hang around faith so long that eventually it becomes real inside them. I would say Nicodemus in the New Testament. Nicodemus, he, uh, he was a church official, and he came to Jesus at night while he was a church official. He said, I don't think I've quite got it right. And Jesus said, actually, there, Nicodemus is mentioned three times in the Bible. The final time, he goes to the grave with the rich partner, and they take Jesus down from the cross and lay him away, and he's got faith. So some of you have come this way. It's like we hung around church, we were in youth ministry, whatever, we gave our heart to Jesus over and over, and now I know today it's real. Some of you, it's very gradual, almost automatic. In fact, you can't even point to a time. And uh, one of the famous people who had this process was Ruth, Ruth Graham, Mrs. Billy Graham. You know, Billy Graham, in the old days, filled stadiums and challenged people to radical conversions. But his wife says... I never once remember a time I didn't love God. And some of you were so, this was so real to you from when you were a little kid that you just know today you love God, but you can't really point to a time. It was gradual. Some of you, friends and family influence. I think uh, Timothy in the Bible is this one. Paul writes to Timothy and he says, hey, the faith that was in your grandma and it's in your mom, now it's in you. No, he had to believe. He had to step towards Christ. But for a lot of people, friends and family is a huge influence. And then there's a hundred other ways people come to Christ. So here's my question. How did you come to Christ? How did you come to Christ? 
This is so important. This is the deep water of your life because sometime you're gonna be talking with your grandkids or you're gonna be talking with your neighbor or you're gonna be talking with your coworker and they want to know, how did you come to Christ? Well, it was over three years. No, it was a radical conversion in one moment. No, it was what? How did you come? This is part of the deep water, stage one. Uh, sometimes people will say, well, Orchard never has altar calls. And you don't have confirmation, and you don't have catechism, and you don't have anything. What do you, how do our kids come to faith? Uniquely and individually when they're ready. That's how they come to faith. And so we'll offer them lots and lots of chances. But when they're ready, when God moves their heart, that's when we do it. And uh, then lots of them get baptized and, uh, or are baptized and live into that, whatever. Let me answer one other question about this phase. This is an important question. Why do people come to faith? So if it was a radical conversion or it was over time, two steps forward, one step back, but your name is written in the Lamb's book, why? There's lots of reasons. Do you ever realize that? Here's uh, reason number one. Forgive and forgiveness of sins. We got a list on this. Number two, that's talked about in the Bible. Jesus offers that. Receiving God's love, that's talked about in the Bible. Jesus offers that. Avoiding hell, that's a great reason to come to faith. You know, let's just not go to hell. <laughs> Doing what is right is a reason some people come to faith. It just makes sense. It's right. Finding purpose in my life. That's why I came to faith. It's like I'm walking around you and I, and I'm saying, what is my life going to be about? What am I going to give my life to? And I had to find a purpose that was bigger than me. And just Christ. He gave me that purpose. Overcoming guilt and shame. This one actually is heard far clearer on our high school and college campuses now than sin. Uh, uh, sin used to be big, and now kids today feel guilt and shame a lot more. And so when you can pull out the verse from Isaiah where it says, Jesus died not just for sin, but for shame and guilt. They can hear that. Finding connection and belonging. Being a part of God's family. Recognizing the price Jesus paid on the cross. That's a reason. And then there's 20 other reasons, right? But here's the cool thing. No matter why, what door you enter to faith, no matter which one of these 9 or 20 you enter, when you get Christ, you get them all. And over time, you learn them all. But, deep water, do you know your pressing reason for coming to faith the first time? Because a child, a neighbor, a coworker might want to know that someday. Why did you give your heart to Jesus? So right there's two questions you could go home and ponder this afternoon. How did I come to faith and why did I come to faith? That's stage one. Stage two. Uh, this is a life of discipleship, shifting my allegiance uh, from myself as the center to Christ as the center. This is a time of learning and growing, uh, a lot of times filling in the blanks. It's like, okay, I came to Christ. He's real, like Carla said in the announcements. Uh, he's real, he's personal. But now there's a whole bunch of things I need to know about God and heaven and all of that. I need to know this stuff. And so stage two is like filling in the blanks it's like filling in the blanks, and uh, there are ministries that are really good at this. Navigators is on our college campuses. They are fantastic at this. 
Um, just helping people fill in the blanks, the questions that people have about God. Stage two. Uh, are, oftentimes, let me say this, this is a stage when you really love coming to church on Sunday mornings because you have all these questions and the person up front gets to help you get an answer or you get in a membership class like it's being offered this week and you get some answers. Stage two is a time when you love and stage two is also a time where sometimes you follow a leader who helps you follow Christ. And so a lot of times uh, you'll see people in stage two, they're really lifting up some leader from some church or some ministry. And, uh, you know, I, I had this phase and I lifted up a guy named Keith Green who was a singer and a theologian and prophet. Keith Green. And he was that for me. Um, I had several people that I follow in Christ. And Paul talks about this in the Bible. He says to some people, follow me as I follow Christ. And what he's talking to is this stage two people. He's saying, hey, you follow me because you can see me and I'll follow Christ and that's going to work out for this stage. Okay, third stage. Productive life, serving in my sweet spot. Uh, the church is pretty good at this one. It's like, take a job, volunteer, do something where you feel like serving God. This is an important phase. There's some really funny stories here around that phase because some people try things that obviously are not them. And, uh, and that's okay. Like, they try parking cars and they find out they don't like parking cars. They uh, try ushering and greeting and they realize we don't really like people. Uh, <laughs> You know, they try things. Uh, here's a paragraph. Our, we've had probably, over the last two decades as a church, we've had probably five spiritual growth task forces uh, that have lasted probably a total of 10 years where we've said, how do people actually grow in faith? And the last one... Here's a paragraph we wrote, so I want you to listen if you can. We learned that, like many churches, Orchard has tended to see stage three, the productive life, as the pinnacle of spiritual growth. It was very helpful for us to see this, name it, discuss it, accept it, challenge ourselves to see if God might not be pushing Orchard to become a church that not only provides encouragement and strategies for stages one to three, which is where churches tend to be really good at, but at the same time provides models, models, mentors, and growth opportunities for folks in stages four and beyond. And this is where we wrote this eight or ten years ago. This is where we believe we may spend quite a bit more time focusing our work in the future. So stages one to three, that's normal church. Now here's stage four. You never see coming. It's that journey inward. It's where you might actually get mad at the church. You might actually sit here and say, the church's teaching is not deep enough for me anymore. You might actually get mad at the pastor. You might actually get mad at God. And what's happening? That journey is being driven inward and deeper. People come into my office and uh, they'll say, Dave, I think I'm losing my faith. I don't even know if God's real. And I pull out this chart, a fuller one than this, and I say, no, you're not losing your faith. God is driving your faith deeper. And this is normal journey. After the resurrection, or uh, when Jesus was arrested, the apostle Peter was in the garden, and he denied Jesus three times. 
And after Jesus was killed and resurrected, what did Peter do? He went fishing. And why did he do that? He did that because he thought he had lost his faith. And then what did Jesus do? He came to the fishing boat, and he said, Peter, come in here, eat a meal with me. And then he re reinstalled Peter and said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, yes. Do you really love me more than others? Yes. Do you love me enough to serve me? Yes. Right? So this journey inward often feels like we're losing our faith. A lot of you have heard me teach this, but I want to keep teaching it. On the way to Florida after our kids died, I had to ask all the questions all over again. And it took me weeks. God, are you even real? What's happening there? Am I losing my faith? No. I'm asking deep questions, and my faith is going deeper. God, do you love me, and do you love Ben, Charlie, and Bailey, who were just killed? What's happening there? Am I losing my faith? No. I'm just asking the question again at a deeper level and groaning. And a lot of you have been through this. And it's a part of growth. Stage five. Uh, it's a journey outward again. Uh, answers aren't near as important as direction and love. Direction and love. Uh, I don't have all the answers. In fact, both Ed Baker and I have both said publicly quite often, the farther we journey with Christ, the less answers we have. But we know he loves us, and we know he's real, and we know heaven's real, and we know there's a future, and we know there's a kingdom now and not yet. But a lot of the little answers we think were so important maybe aren't. And then we can love, stage six. So, um, again, it's not competition. You're not trying to get to the next stage. You're trying to look back at your life and say, where have I been? How many times has God taken me around this slinky? And the beautiful part, which actually there's a song they're going to come and sing right now. Come on out, Katie and the others, Hope. Um, the beautiful part of the gospel is this. Whatever stage you're in right now, and actually, if you're not even on the slinky and you're still trying to decide if you're a person of faith, God loves you. He loves you just where you are. And if you're asking questions and it doesn't feel like your faith is real, he loves you. And uh, it's so important for you to know that.
God, thank you for the truth of that sentence. We are fully known and loved by you. Father, that is so amazing that you dive into the deep water of our lives and you see our past and you see our sin and you see our shame and our guilt. You see who we really are and you love us. Father, that is an amazing truth that changes us. Help us grasp that truth deeper. Help us grasp the truth that you love us in spite of who we are uh, because of Jesus. Help us live out of that truth. Help us pass that truth on to our kids. In Jesus' name, amen.